I'll tell you what, with Kev away and Greg having to look after the afternoons, how excited am I? I get to hang and bang with our good mate and our gunning guru, Scotty Sharp, today. You've elbowed Greg aside, and, and look, I was surprised as well when I walked in the joint. <laughs> He's outside. We've got some people holding. Too late now, Greg. You'll have to, you'll miss out for, for nearly a month. Mate, uh, looking forward to taking a ton of calls today on Gardening Talkback. Yeah, like to uh, help and answer people's questions. But of course, we'll also be uh, talking about a fantastic lily that's out at the moment, Arthropodium Matapuri Bay, looking absolutely beautiful. Something that's not looking very nice, though, is the clover in people's lawns. It has mm. just taken off. And uh, we might just uh, have a talk about a bonsai exhibition that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. All right, sounds pretty good. That's our gardening guru, John. Joining us for Gardening Talkback. G'day, Mick from Cessnock. Uh, nectarine trees are on your mind today. Yes, Scotty. Um, I just a couple of questions. Number one, what's the best um, product to spray them with for uh, fruit fly? And when should I spray and how often? Hang on, that's three questions. You asked for two, Mick. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but my next question's coming after this. <laughs> uh, you, you're not a greedy man, Mick. We'll help you out. We'll help you out, mate. Uh, fruit, yeah, look, fruit fly, it, it's a really big problem with uh, stone fruit, citrus, tomatoes. Uh, look, the trouble is you can look after your plants as, you know, as good as anything, but then you, you know, your neighbour next door... Uh, you know, it doesn't do such a good job and all of a sudden they're, you know, flooding into your place. But look, there's the two-pronged uh, a sort of approach that I like to take when looking after fruit fly. And I don't mean giving them a pat on the head and a nice lie down. <laughs> but I, I like to trap and I like to spray as well. So trapping involves getting, uh, you know, like one of those plastic containers, putting some holes in it, getting some insecticide like malathon and some Vegemite and uh, mixing that together into a sort of a moist paste and leaving that in there. The females come in there, they're attracted to the smell of the Vegemite. Uh, they come in there and they have a bit of a munch on it, but of course uh, they're having the insecticide as well, the malathon, and they uh, die and you just have to keep on emptying out that plastic container. Uh, yeah. yeah, look, if you want to, you can also go to your local garden centre and uh, you'll be able to find ones that you don't have to mix up. They're sort of pre-made with all you know the insecticide and the smell uh, in there ready to go for you. So a good idea, um, you know, either way to do that. But I also think you need to spray as well. Uh, and uh, for that, I recommend just using a pyrethrum spray. Uh, pyrethrum. To, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, it's not, ha- you know, too harsh. It's, uh, you know, try and spray when the bees aren't around as well. Uh, you know, you don't want to be harming them in any way. So just a general pyrethrum spray, uh, you know, probably every week and the trapping and that should keep them under control. Now, the main thing to do is once you see that fruit set on the tree, it's you know it's sort of still small and hard and green. Yeah, I reckon you, now, yeah. yeah, I reckon you get in early. You get in now um, and start your trapping and start your spraying at this point in time. You don't want to leave it until it's you know a lot larger. You start. You don't want to see you know color forming on the fruit. You want to get it when it's still green and small and hard and just trap and trap and spray uh, to try and keep that under control until uh, the fruit is nice and ripe and juicy and ready to be picked off the plant. I might have already left it a bit late, but anyway, I'll just have to do my best. Yeah, look, uh, look that, and that's the main thing. Uh, you've just got to do it and try and keep it under control as best as possible. Any fruit yep. that drops to the ground, of course, you pick that up and discard it in a plastic bag yeah. or a garbage bin. Yep. Okay, well, just one more quick question, Scotty. The other question was, is it, is it still too late to, to pray, uh, spray for um, leaf curl on, on um, stone fruit? 
because I've got, I've got a very bad um, leaf curl coming on me uh, nectarine tree as well. Look, I, I think it's still fine to uh, spray for that. You really have to spray to keep that fungal disease uh, under control, you know, whenever you see it. That's when you start to see the leaves, um, you know, sort of rolling up. You see some um, red or pink or orange colours to them, uh, even yeah. some spots. So you need a fungicide like copper oxychloride. Uh, you could try Mancozeb Plus as well. But you definitely need a... What was that? Copper oxychloride. I'm writing all this down. Yeah, you need copper oxychloride. Uh, it's a, a blue-coloured spray. It, it, it's powder. You mix it up into a spray. It leaves a coating over the plant, but definitely you need to get in nice and early with that. Um, but if you've got it there now, you might as well spray and try and protect any new, uh, you know, new growth that's coming through. Yeah, I just, there was copper oxychloride. What was the other one you said? Yeah, there's another fungicide out there called Mancozeb Plus. Uh, it's M-A-N-C-O-Z-E-B, uh, and it also oh, yeah. it sort of forms a coating over the uh, the leaves of the plant as well and protects it from those fungal spores. Uh, look, I'm probably coppers, you know, that's my preference in this situation um, with the uh, the leaf curl on your, uh, your your stone fruit. So give that a try and see how you go. Okay, well, thank you. I didn't mean to take up so much of your time, but uh, thank you very much. Look, that is absolutely what we're here for, Mick, to be asked questions. Even if it's six of them. We don't mind. We don't mind. <laughs> just pick our brains. And I mind even less because you have to do the answering, Scotty. But you did quite a good job there, oh. firing them off one by one. Thank you very yeah. much. Ring in, call, and just ask whatever you want. If you can get to seven, then you've beaten Mick for the day. There you go. Do you get a prize? Yeah, look, we'll say you nice get a things about you. Pack, not, a, not a packet of seeds or something? Oh, we could do that as well. <laughs> do that. Joe from Mayfield, you have a question for Scotty today, Joe, on gardenias. Hey, Joe, how can we help you? I, hi, I do have just one question. Um, it's in relation to, I was listening to your talk back a couple of weeks ago when you were saying how they're starting to go yellow at the moment. Um, and before they flower, and that they're taking all the nutrients out of the soil, and that we should use um, iron shellates, shellates, or shellates in, yes. um, in it. And so I did that, and um, we had a few that just that weren't um, reacting. So it said on the instructions to wait another four weeks. So I did, um, and I did it again uh, about last week. But they're still yellow on some of the leaves, and I just wanted to know: is that the problem still, or I mean, because they're getting enough water, um, or is there a, some under a, some underlying condition? Uh- well, look, firstly, thank you for listening two weeks ago and sticking around and listening to us now as well. <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you. Uh, but <laughs> as far as yellowing of the leaves, I I always liken it, uh, you know, it's like a if you're in your car and you're on some gravel and you hit the accelerator and the wheel starts spinning and it takes some time to get traction. And I think it's a bit the same with gardenias. Once you've got to the stage where there's yellowing leaves, it takes some time to get traction for the plant to, you know, fill it back out and become all nice and healthy and green again. So the fact that there is still some yellowing leaves there, I wouldn't be concerned about that. It it just points that you just need to do more regular feeding. You don't let it get yellow and then give it a big feed and expect it to, you know, sort of overnight magically be green again, because it just won't do that. Um, but you're using the iron shellates, that's fantastic. Uh, now, just to refresh my memory, were they in the ground or were they in pots? They're um, in the ground. They're uh, on one side of our fence. We've probably got um, about six or seven of them, and it's only two 
that are that it's happening to, um, and the others are okay. They're they're starting to come back, but the other two are being a little bit slow. And I've got them planted quite close to some um, jasmine, so I didn't know if that might be affecting the root of it. Look, that that the jasmine could be taking a lot of nutrient out of the soil. Another yeah, thing to do right. is to to grab some of the soil from uh, around the area of the two that are worst, and take it down to your local yeah. garden centre and get them to do a pH test on it, because uh, gardenias particularly uh. like acidic soil. And, uh, you know, it, it could be that some, you know, in the past, someone's, you know, washed out of, you know, some concrete or something there. And it's very alkaline in that one particular spot. Uh, uh, and it, it's not necessarily something you might have done. It might have been someone, you know, in the past that's owned the house or, uh, or whatever. So it's a good idea to go and give that a test. You want your, uh, your pH for gardenias, uh, you know, at least at seven um, or down around six and a half. Anything higher than that, it's too alkaline and you will get that yellowing of leaves. But in the, in the meantime, you could go and get some uh, cow manure as well and uh, give that those two particular plants an extra bit of a boost with that cow manure and try and, uh, you know, help them along that way. But uh, definitely get some soil, take it to your local garden centre and see if they can do a pH test for you. G'day, David at Weston. How can Scotty help you today, David? G'day, uh, Scotty. How can we help, um, David? My, my front and back lawn have just been totally overrun by, I don't know whether it's paspalum or it's some sort of winter grass, but it's... Um, it grows very tall. Um, it's got a very long leaf, 100 and... Oh, um, I'm not good at millipedes and centipedes. Um, <laughs> um, probably six to eight inches, the leaf. And it's got a, a seed head on it that looks a little bit like wheat. Yes, OK. So you, you haven't... Uh, that's not past pale. It's got the sort of the sticky black little seed heads on it um, very similar sort of leaf though winter grass is really quite small uh, probably only gets about I'm always holding my fingers up here and expect yeah no no, well, no, no one no, can no, see no. that Scotty okay, they can't, okay, the listener okay, can't David can't. about five about five <laughs> centimeters high um, and it usually burns out and goes away um, once it starts to heat up. Uh, so it's not going to be winter grass, but it might be that you've got some summer grass there is what we call it. Uh, and look, the great thing about that, though, is that you can deal with it in the same way that uh, you can deal with paspalum. Uh, so out there in the land and in your local garden centre, there is a uh, paspalum and nutgrass killer that you can go and get. Um, and you can just generally spray that on. Look, it sounds like yours has gone a bit feral, though, because you've got the uh, the seed heads on it. Oh, it's gone massively feral in this weather we've had. And it's, you know, it's quite high. It's, um, you know, two feet high, two, two three feet high in some places. Um, and it's... I used to get, you know, little tiny patches of it, but just dig it out individually. But now it's just sort of completely overrun the whole lawn. And I've got... I think it's, a, I think it's called blue cooch. It's a very fine... Cooch lawn, so that spray you're talking about, that'd be okay on that on that lawn. Look, always whenever you go and pick up a chemical, uh, either ask the the staff at your local garden centre or have a good read of it yourself, uh, and just make sure that the particular chemical that you've picked up and you're going to use can actually be used uh, on you know the certain lawn type that you've got. Uh, and often on there it will say you know you can only use it you know once or twice you know every you know particular in every say month month or so. So always um, be very careful. You know, chemicals are different, so, you know, I can't speak, you know, specifically, but always read the label and see what's on there. Ask some help from your local garden centre staff members. They'll be able to give you some advice about that. But I think one of the problems, David, is that, um, 
you know, we've uh, just been getting so much moisture and rain. People aren't getting out there and mowing as much as they they should be. And that's probably what's happened to you. Uh, you know, the ground's very wet. You don't mow. But at the same time, the, the weeds are going, oh, thank you very much. You know, and they're just soaking it all up and they're absolutely going for it. And, you know, if you go out and mow, you're just going to put divots uh, through your lawn like you, you know, you wouldn't believe from your lawnmower. So, unfortunately, it is a problem. Sounds like yours has gone a bit, uh, a little bit crazy, but uh, I'd, I'd go and get some of that uh, poison and give it a good old spray. All right, David, best of luck with all of that. As we head to Warners Bay now, Alan, you've got some yellow beetles all over your citrus. Hey. Yeah, mate. Uh, they're about the size of your thumbnail or a little bit bigger, flat. Well, they're not yellow. They're more or less an orangey. Ooh, that's 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 not a good one, Helen. It sounds like you've got the old stink bug on on your citrus trees. Oh yeah, yeah. And the stain often you can't get off your fingers. Yeah, so you get the stain. Always be careful when you approach the tree because they'll do their little spray from you know from their little behind, whatever they yeah. do, and it can get in your eyes as well and be quite stingy. So um, be very careful about that. Uh, look, what you need to do is, uh, you know, you do need to get out there and spray. Uh, I always uh, advocate for the uh, vacuum cleaner approach as well. If you've got an old vacuum cleaner, um, yeah. yeah, you get out there and um, sort of suck them all in and that tends to get rid of them very well. Um, I've heard people spray them, you know, just with the, the hose, but that they tend to come back then. Um, so really, yeah. yeah, either it's the vacuum cleaner or you do need to get a, uh, you know, a chemical or spray and go out and give them a little bit of a spray to, to get rid of them. But always be careful because, um, you know, the bees love getting around the citrus when the, uh, yeah. the flowers are on. But So the great thing about those bronze orange bug, the stink beetles, is that you can sort of get a nice little stream with your, uh, you know, with your sprayer and, and concentrate yeah. it directly on them rather than doing a willy-nilly spray all over. And uh, right. that, and then you'll, you'll notice them sort of, you know, they'll look like they're okay for about five or ten minutes and all of a sudden they, it looks like they're a little bit drunk. They start staggering around and then they start falling down onto the ground on their back and they've definitely had too much to drink by that point in time and uh, they're, they're gone. And with a bit of luck, Alan... Yeah, the, that... green, the, the green ones simmer? Yeah, look, they'll just be... The, they're the baby ones. The the orange ones are the big puppers. Uh, they've matured, yeah. so always be, uh, you know, whatever's there... Give them a spray and get rid of the the, uh, the babies and get rid of the big ones as well. All right, best of luck, Alan. Good afternoon to Erwin. Uh, G'day, Erwin at Fullerton Cove. Uh, some sprays for the nutgrass. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I've got a heap of it coming up all of a sudden. I noticed when I was mowing. And um, just wondered, <coughs> I, I was wondering how you got rid of it. Yeah, look, you can get rid of nutgrass, Erwin. Uh, you do need to go uh, down to your local garden centre and get a spray for it. Um, so as we were just talking to uh, David from Western earlier on, you can get a paspalum and nutgrass killer, uh, but okay. it sort of does all of them. Now, the main thing is, mate, don't go and mow um, because uh, you need it to actually settle on the leaf of the weed and be soaked in and go down and get rid of the bulb and the little thing in underneath. Um, so make sure that you haven't mowed for a couple of weeks, that everything's nice and long. Uh, and then go and give it a, a really decent spray at that point in time. Uh, you could uh, add a little bit of uh, detergent as well because it just makes it a bit stickier and uh, okay. actually okay. stick onto the foliage of the of the nutgrass. So, yep, right. head off to your local garden centre, get some of that spray, and 
Yep, go for it as long as it's long. Gardening Talkback uh, Guru here, Scotty Sharp. And Scotty, I uh, had a quick call from a lady by the name of Elizabeth who wanted uh, a question for her hubby on eradicating aphids. Some advice there? She probably talked your ear off, didn't she, Mark? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, if uh, Liz's husband has uh, got aphids, uh, they're a big problem because they're little sap-sucking insects. They love the the sort of the juicy, soft new growth on roses. Uh, so you do need to spray them. A pyrethrum spray is the safest thing to go and use. Um, if they're particularly bad, you could go and use some malathon. Pyrethrum should get them under control. All right, thanks for that. Uh, best of luck, uh, Elizabeth and said husband. G'day, Jenny at Cave Speech. You have a weed problem for Scotty today, Jenny. Uh, yes, but I don't, do not know what it's called. It's a round leaf thing, and um, they're just everywhere in the garden. <laughs> So they're, uh, they're not in the lawn, uh, they're actually in the garden, are they, oh, Jenny? In the lawn, yeah, in the lawn too, yep. Okay, look, mm. with that, the best I can say for you is in the garden area, you can use a you know zero glyphosate Roundup type product uh, right. and spray very carefully, always keeping in mind that anything that that chemical touches, it's going to kill. Um, so you just oh, okay. have to be nice and careful when you're using it in the garden. But you can do it, you can make up like a little spray hood and get down nice and close uh, to the weeds and give them a spray you can't use it and i repeat that you cannot use that in your lawn um, because it will just even no matter how careful you are it uh, you know zero will always um, spread out and it'll just kill your lawn so for the weed that you've gotten in your lawn i Mm. would uh, go and get a product like you know bindi and clover killer and give that a general spray and just see what happens uh, it, it, you know, if we, we can, you can't name the exact weed to me at the moment. That's fine. But just give no, that, that Bindi and Clover Killer a bit of a, you know, coverall spray and just see what happens. It might even just yellow it off and knock it back. If you're really, really lucky, it might um, kill it outright. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely do not use the zero in that particular, um, you know, on your lawn. You can only use it in the garden area. Oh, okay. That's good. Then. And, um, yeah, and the whole back lawn just... It's just full of just weeds. I'm mowing weeds. <laughs> so I'll have to get that somehow yeah. pulled up and And look, that, get that's a, that's one way to do it. But the Bindi and Clover Killer might, you know, just slow those weeds down and let the lawn, mm. now that it's warmed mm. up, uh, just start to, you know, thicken back up and, and take over again. All right. Best of luck with all of that, uh, Jenny. 49216216. Scotty, we've got a couple of minutes left, so even time for a couple more callers. That would be fantastic. As we've said, love answering those questions. All right, now something for you uh, happening this weekend, the Broke Bulga Land Care. They've got their uh, Great Southern BioBlitz. So if you want to learn about local plants and animals and and uh, even get on top of all of that, uh, head up to our events calendar right now. It's happening on the weekend, by the way. Details at 2NURFM.com.au. G'day, Barry at Morissette Park. You have an onion weed inquiry, Barry. Yes, but my daughter's got it in her yard and in her garden, and oh, honestly, it's just making me cry. <laughs> I have tried to kill it with Roundup. I use Blackberry Killer, and I just can't get rid of it. Yeah, look, it sounds like you've gone the whole whole nine yards there, Barry. But unfortunately, the only things out there are, you know, Roundup uh, and uh, the tree and blackberry. Although I wouldn't use the tree and blackberry too much throughout the garden because it actually starts to build up in the soil. Uh, yeah. yeah, and will poison effectively poison the soil for you. So just be careful about that. Uh, look, when when it's in uh, the lawn, I just recommend mowing um, and just mow it out. Um, definitely do not try and dig it out. 
Um, do not try and pull it out. It will just spread further and further. Really, yeah. the only option you have got um, is to continue using Roundup and um, getting on, onto the leaf. Uh, use some uh, a little bit of detergent as well just to make it a bit stickier. Uh, yeah. Look, another option is, of course, to mulch very, very heavily. Use some newspaper, um, mulch over the top of that and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just try and choke it out that way. But uh, look, once it's in your garden, it is such a difficult thing to get rid of. It's perseverance. Um, yeah. yeah, digging or pulling it out is a surefire way to spread it and just make it worse. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, so. yeah. Down on my hands and knees with a paintbrush, I've mixed Roundup, yeah. about a 50-50 mix, and just dob a little bit on each one of them, and I, I think they're feeding on it. Yeah, and look, I, I, last week we had a fantastic caller who suggested that uh, when the plant's actually putting, uh, you know, you see it flowering, uh, that's the time to give it a good old crack then um, because it just seems to work a little bit better at that point in time. Uh, I, I haven't done that myself, but it uh, might be worth a try. Thanks you so much for that, Barry. Best of luck with it all. Now, we'll try and get through everybody with about 60 seconds each. Stanley and Thornton, stick bugs, what's happening there? Oh, mate, they're uh, taking uh, take the lemon tree, but I trim, trimmed the tree down, and uh, now they're into me um, mandarin tree. Yeah, look, that's absolutely right, Stanley. They're going to love, they just love citrus trees. They're going to love mandarin, orange, you know, lime, whatever sort you've got. Um, yeah. you know, they just love their citrus, uh, and they love the new growth. They get in there, and they do an immense amount of damage to it. They're in there sucking the sap out of the plant, and on that new growth, it just stunts it, makes it very bad. Uh, look, as we said before, uh, the old vacuum cleaner, if you've got an old vacuum cleaner, um, go yep. and suck them in in that way and dispose of them. Uh, otherwise, you do have to uh, give them a spray. Uh, you'll have to go down to your local garden centre and get a chemical that's registered to look after stink bugs. It does work on them. Uh, they look a bit uh, sort of punch drunk for a little while, but eventually they sort of fall on the ground and they're gone. Uh, but again, perseverance with them and you will get them under control. Oh, yeah, well, I tried to uh, grab them and put them in a jar, but it makes your hands smell like crap. Yeah, they absolutely do, and, and watch out because they'll have a little bit of a, a spray from out of their uh, little uh, little backsides, I was going to say. Then I was going to say bum, yeah. and I just did say it. Oh. Uh, and and, that, and yeah, that'll get in your eyes, mate, so be very, yeah. very careful about that spray from out of their uh, behinds. All right, best of luck with all of that. Our final call today, this will be the last one we'll have a chance to get through. G'day, Neville at Raymond Terrace. What's happening, Neville? No, not much. A bit wet. <laughs> yeah, true, um, true. How can we help, mate? I've got a, um, a Dracaena Draco. It's about four foot high, the trunk on it. And I've had it for oh, 10 years, I suppose. And it's had a big bloom of a flower stalk come up through the centre of it. And I just wondered um, what's the next, next step for that flower. They don't flower very often. Well, I've had a few of them, and this is the first time it's, one has ever flowered. Yeah, that, that's really unusual. I, I actually haven't seen them flower before, aware that they do. Uh, look, it, it'll be fine. If you want to harvest the seed from that, you can. Um, you would have to uh, you know, get uh, some sort of bag, usually a, pla- a paper bag, and tie that around the, uh, the uh, flower once the flowers have dropped off and you'll be able to harvest the seed. If you, don't, if you just want to get rid of it, you can just prune that out, um, Neville, and get rid of it that way. But it, it won't harm the plant. You know, Some plants like agaves will die once they flower. Um, yours will be fine, the aldracinas. Uh, but yeah, that's unusual, and uh, in- enjoy the, the, the look of the flower. Yeah, um, I did. I did look up a bit about it, and it said once it flowers, the, the leaves underneath the flower 
they die off and new stems come out of something. Is that right? Yeah, look, that, that, that's right. Uh, but look, again, you, your whole plant's not going to die. You'll just get some new growth on there. But it's it's such a, you know, it's, I'd enjoy it because it's a, sort of a, almost a once-in-a-lifetime event. All right, best of luck with that, Neville. Before we let you go, Scotty, I know there's an event that you are very keen to bring us up to speed on. Yes, it's, I just want everyone to get their calendar out and start penciling this in. It's actually November 11, 12 and 13, Newcastle Bonsai Society Annual Bonsai Show. Uh, look fantastic it's going to be out at um, Club Macquarie out at Argentine heaps and heaps of bonsais to go and have a look at they're going to give demonstrations and talks uh, as we get a bit close we're going to have a member of the Bonsai Society come on and uh, talk us through it and uh, yeah just uh, tell us a little bit more about the show and the society oh, that sounds pretty good so uh, a nice little note to, to keep in mind over the uh, up and coming weeks on that Scotty we've made you work pretty hard for it today so uh, we'll let you get on out and about and uh, well, thanks for this week and we'll hopefully catch you in a week from here. I'll talk to you then. All right, there he is, our gardening guru. That is our gardening talk back done for this Monday, back next Monday after midday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.